Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Hallelujah. Sitting here with Tom Dorian. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can, can we verb that? That's I, can, I think you can. I shall have been. We alle- will. Well, we're going to do it today. We're going to hallelujah all day. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. I love Easter. Uh, and, How can uh, you not? Well, you know what? I guess maybe if you were an atheist or something, agnostic, and you didn't really kind of get into it. Yeah, that's true. But that's our job in the new evangelization is to help people to know the hope that comes from the resurrection. Amen. Uh, and so I, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about, Tom, I saw you at the Easter Vigil, and I was so proud of you. You know, for the for our listeners, they need to know you gave the homily. Yeah, I did. I was. You I rocked was, it. You rocked. The I homily. was privileged to preach at the Easter Vigil. You did good, uh, and I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. And I kind of wanted to talk about what we what I preached about. It was awesome. Not because I well uh, the topic I think is important. I think it's something that I, I love to give little nuggets of information to people mm-hmm. that they can sit there and go. You know what? Now that I know this, it's going to change something that I do. It does. It's going to change what I think or mm-hmm. it's going to change how I feel about something or some action that I'm going to take um, with me going forward and what I'm going to do with that. And so I, I, I like to look for practical, relevant points to bring out Sure. when I preach and when I teach and when I talk and when we do this show. So the Catholic Cafe is all about relevance. Why is the Catholic faith relevant you know, in my life, what, what what am I supposed to get out of this other than jump through hoops and check off boxes? Right. Right. So what I, I, I want to talk about this idea of vigil. So you come to the Easter vigil. Mm-hmm. Right. And everyone knows that counts for Easter. Right. Like you don't have to go again on Sunday morning because you went at the Easter vigil on Saturday night. Yeah. Which sometimes that thing stretches into Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, depending on how long your vigil is. It backfires on folks every now and then. I think every once in a while you end up going both Saturday and Sunday, but that's not the point. Because <laughs> um, if you look at the bigger picture of vigil, mm-hmm. and, and I, ha- I have to ask people, you know, you ask a good Catholic uh, a question about their Catholic faith, and they don't always know. They're good Catholics. Mm-hmm. They know they can follow the rules, but they don't always know why some of the rules or why some of the traditions exist. And so... Uh, one of those is the vigil, the concept of a vigil. Yeah. And so if someone were to come up, and I know you know the answer because you were sitting there at the homily, but <laughs> but if someone was to come up to, let's say we had uh, our average Catholic, you know, Bill. Above average Bill. Yeah, sitting here. Yeah. And said, Bill, you know, why, you know, is it that you can go to Mass on Saturday night and that counts for Sunday? Why is it that you can go to Christmas Eve, and that counts for Christmas Day. Why can you go on New Year's Eve, which would be uh, Mary Mother of God, the Eve of Mary Mother of God, so that, why can you go on New Year's Eve to Mass, and that counts for your Sunday obligation, or All Saints Day, etc., etc.? Why, on many of these major feast days, does the vigil, the night before, count for that day, so that you don't have to go to both? And a lot of people, they don't always know that answer. I bet you easily 95% would not know. That's a guess. I I, I would have put it more like 93 and a half. I, mean, I think you're a little yeah. overzealous with that number. But I actually it, was going to say 99, yeah. but I thought I'd tone it down a bit Probably an easier, Probably an easier way to say it is a lot of people. A lot of people. I think we can agree a lot of people right. don't know why that vigil counts uh, as the day. Mm-hmm. And and so I want to talk a little bit about that. A lot of people might think, well, is, you know, maybe it's because you know Holy Mother Church knows that we all have really busy schedules, 
Right. right. We've got lots of stuff going on. And so if we can just sort of widen the berth of opportunity for us to be able to right. go to mass. Sure. So now that we open up starting at, say, 4 or 4.30 in Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. and go all the way through Sunday, that's effectively like uh, – 32 hours or so of of time to go to mass right well that's a pretty wide berth there that's a uh that's a large amount of time that you can find somewhere in there to go to 59 and a half, half minutes worth of mass sure, right sure. and so a lot of people think like well that's just your church helping us to be more convenient for mm-hmm. us to help more people get to mass now while i will say that that's a potential mm-hmm. uh side effect or benefit of mm-hmm. that it has nothing Nothing to do with why the church did that. Right. Um, effectively, it comes out of our Jewish heritage, which is really cool. Yeah, that is cool, and because uh, we all know that Jesus, the apostles, they were Jews. The the vast majority of Mary. the first Christians, yeah, were Jews. Yeah. Mary, good little Jewish girl. Yeah. You know, and so th- these are all Jews, mm-hmm. and it's important for us to understand. Not in a we're number one kind of a superior <laughs> way, but it's all it's, it's important for Christians to understand that Christianity is is what we believe it's the fulfillment of Judaism. Right. Right. That that we all have a common Jewish heritage. Sure. Right. And, th- and that's important for us to understand. It's not us saying that Jews are bad because obviously God does not mm-hmm. break covenants. Right. And the Jews, the Jews of today, even modern day Jews are God's chosen people that's and will right. always be because he made that covenant with them. That's exactly right. And will not break that covenant. And so we respect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, we teach that if Jesus is the Messiah, if Jesus is the Savior, if he is the Christ, that the Jews were awaiting that all of the prophets Mm-hmm. spoke of, especially Isaiah in, in, in so profound words that we read all through Lent in preparation, uh, the suffering servant, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If we believe that is Jesus, then that is what God intended for the Jews to believe as well, because mm-hmm. that's where we come from, which would mean that that the Christianity is the fulfillment of Judaism. It is the uh, the fulfillment of the law. It is the realization of what God intended. Mm-hmm. Therefore, it's important what Jew, Jews would think about um, about things. That's right. Right, in general. And so one of the things that they would teach, and, and Jews, um, many modern Jews might have issue with this, but uh, traditionally Jews believe that the day begins in the evening. Sunset. Right, it be- after sunset. So right. the sun sets and goes away, and mm-hmm. then when the stars come out, that's when the day begins. The day begins. Yeah. And so if you ask like that's a... That's pretty cool. If you ask, but if you ask a secularist, like a, a person that's... Not, let's take religion out of it. They'll tell you the day probably begins somewhere around midnight. Exactly. 12.01 a.m. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll say, well, right there. We have to have a number. And so 11.59 p.m. is night. 12.01 a.m. is morning. And mm-hmm. so sometimes we'll correct ourselves. Some people say, like, I don't want to argue and fight over it. Let me just... Once I go to bed... It mysteriously happens in the night, and when I wake up in the morning, it's the next day. But I don't know when it happened in that little period. But the Jew would have told you, and our Jewish heritage tells us that when evening appears, in other words, when the stars come out, Mm -hmm. the sun is set, Mm -hmm. the stars come out, that's the new day. And that's actually kind of a neat metaphor for life. If you look at that, so uh, a Jew might see it this way. Life is this way, that we start in darkness. Mm-hmm. Right, we start in the darkness of the womb, right, and then we await that that sort of bursting of light mm-hmm. when we feel the energy and the vigor where we 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 move out into the world, 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that we, we praise God. Um, and then as the day wanes and as we get closer to dusk and then the sun sets, our life is over. The end of life. And then the future belongs to the next the next evening, that right? Is, the next stars coming up. That is out. totally cool. And and so we as Christians can look at that and get something out of that. And that's that's kind of important because if you stop and think about it, like, well, wait a second. What that means then is if the day starts the night before, mm-hmm. well, so if we have a liturgical feast, mm-hmm. right? If we have the feast of Christmas, if we have the feast of Easter, if we have the feast of All Saints Day, whatever, that technically the night before is... The day the, of the, the vigil. It's the it's the the anticipation. So the way the Jew would look at it, it's part of the same day. That's exactly right. But it's lived in anticipation. So like, right. if we are born in the darkness of the womb, and if the Jews' day starts with the stars, we spend that evening in anticipation of the next day. Right. So much so that our mind is sort of like it's it's fully embracing that next day already even though we're not there mm-hmm. and the example i like to use is i know you love to get up on christmas morning heck yeah right but did you find it difficult to fall asleep the night before absolutely yeah because we're sitting there thinking about what is santa claus going to bring right and you're just your mind and you know sugar plums dancing in your heads and all that kind of stuff sure uh, and, and so you actually start your christmas your your mentality, your mind, your yeah, your emotion is all drawn to that morning mm-hmm. uh, where the presents appear under the tree. In the in the same way, it starts that night, mm-hmm. and so you're already look. I'm already in Christmas. <laughs> I, I remember going to Disney World as a kid, you know, and I would lay awake all night thinking about what we were going to do at Disney World, just awaiting that day. And so, really, my day at Disney started the night before. Mm-hmm. As I'm thinking about it, and that's the mentality I think the Jew would have about the day. Like right. the daylight that you you spent that evening in anticipation, in preparation, in longing and waiting for the day right. to show up. And so if we have a liturgical feast like Christmas or like Easter, specifically we were at the Easter vigil, so we're we're awaiting Easter the resurrection, mm-hmm. right? Well, that night before we are fully embracing the resurrection mm-hmm. mentally, spiritually. We're, we're pondering, we're praying, we're presenting ourselves so intently in the, the presence of the resurrection that we're anticipating it to the point where it might as well be here. That's I mean, right. It, it, it is our frame of reference, our frame of mind. And we have that Easter joy and it starts that evening. Like when the sun goes down, that's the past. The future is now. Starts in that darkness, and it's so beautiful at the Easter vigil when we bring all those candles in. Oh, and we follow into the dark. We follow the Easter candle. We follow the, the 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 light of Christ into the darkened church. Yep. And that metaphor of starting in the in the womb in darkness, awaiting the the sun, you know, to 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 rise in our life. It's perfect. And so we look at the the resurrection, and so we in Easter. Show up at the Easter Vigil in anticipation of the resurrection, mm-hmm. right? So, just as the Jew would anticipate that uh, that coming day, we anticipate the, the the resurrection. So that anticipation then becomes a moment of hopefulness, mm-hmm. and so that's that's like a, that's a profoundly different way to look at things. And so, when you come to Mass on an ordinary uh, weekend mm-hmm. in ordinary time. You will show up, and you, you, many of you will likely go to a four thirty or a five, whatever vigil mass, mm-hmm. and not necessarily know that what you're doing is you are attending that mass in anticipation of the resurrection, which take place officially. The day of the resurrection is Sunday morning, 
That is neat stuff. So uh, it's just it's just really powerful. And that again, that Jewish history comes to us from uh, the book of Genesis, where we read in the creation story where it says specifically, uh, "Thus evening came and morning followed the first day," and then it'll say, right. "And evening came, the morning followed." The second day, you know, and so the day was defined by the Jews, mm-hmm. right, revealed to us as starting in the evening and being realized in the day. Mm-hmm. And so the evening started the day. Mm-hmm. Kind of a neat way to look at that, isn't it? Uh, totally. Yeah, well, we're going to just rock that even more because okay. I've got some more stuff I want to talk about when it comes to that. Some really neat stuff that happened uh, as, a, as a result of that and how we view the vigil and the vigil um, and how that should change what we think about our own very life. Before we do that, I remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, anticipate that we'll be right back. I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. How do we determine that we are following God's will? Perhaps if it is virtuous, then God wants us to do it. But if it is a pious, good, and virtuous act, is that enough to tell us that God has willed it to be done, and it is what He wants for us? This can get tricky. But St. Ignatius of Loyola can help. St. Ignatius of Loyola was a Spanish saint born in the late 15th century who became the principal founder and the first superior general of the Society of Jesus, better known as the Jesuits. St. Ignatius devised a simple test for determining God's will in our lives. He tells us that we must look at the fruits of what we are doing. That will tell us whether or not God willed it to be done. If it has good fruits, peace, harmony, and happiness— then it is more likely that we are following the will of God. If it has bad fruits, discord, pain, and disharmony, then it is more likely that we are not properly discerning God's will in our lives. A man wakes at 4 a.m. every day and spends four hours in prayer, which would ordinarily be viewed as a virtuous act. But if he is married, he may encounter a wife who becomes angered by the fact that he is no longer helping her get the household ready for the day, making breakfast and bathing and dressing the children. St. Ignatius would tell us that because of the bad fruits of his morning ritual, the upset wife, the disharmony in the household, the man might be being influenced by the evil one, Satan, who often comes to us in the guise of light. St. Ignatius would suggest that if the same man prayed the same amount, but at times of the day more in accord with his family's schedule, the fruits might very well include a more harmonious household and a happier wife. Thus, St. Ignatius would tell us that this was truly following the will of God. So often in our daily lives, we need affirmation that the road we have chosen was indeed the one that God had intended us to take. While the world may tell us one thing about the choices we make, the fruits of those choices cannot lie. We need only to take the time to examine our actions and their results to determine if God was truly served in carrying them out. Because of his life dedicated to the good fruits of a faith-filled life in Christ, St. Ignatius was canonized a saint in the year 1622. His feast day is July 31st. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff talking with Tom Dorian. We're talking about vigil. Yes, we are. Anticipating the resurrection. Yes, we are. And so we talked about the fact that this this Jewish concept and this wonderful metaphor for life of being born in darkness mm-hmm. and then awaiting the the sun in our life, right, and living life in the sun and then the the, the, the waning uh, sun leading to the sunset, et cetera, et cetera, uh, how that was a neat metaphor for life. Well, you know, if, if we look at all this material and we understand that, like, liturgically, the night before starts the next day of a feast, mm-hmm. right? So Easter would be the the entire uh, day of Easter, like so all the way till midnight Easter mm-hmm. that night. But it starts the evening prior, mm-hmm. which makes Easter about 32 hours long. Although, technically speaking, there's the Easter, the octave of Easter, and it's eight weeks or eight days, and then there's eight weeks of Easter, uh, all that stuff to be factored in. I don't want to get people too confused, but the point is we... If we look at that and we're just thinking about liturgically, you know, and it's so funny to hear because my kids know about this liturgical night. One of the ways I teach them is I tell them, if you've given something up for Lent, right, chocolate, you gave up chocolate, well, you can have that on the Sundays during Lent because that's like sort of a, res- it's a it's, every Sunday is a day of resurrection. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that on this show. But one of the things I do to teach them about this liturgical day is I tell them that like, hey, sunset on Saturday that's right. It begins. The that's day begins. what it is. So you can have chocolate on Saturday night. Perfect. You know, and they, so all of my kids go, well, dad, liturgically speaking, Christmas is already here. Dad, <laughs> liturgically speaking, you know, and that's okay. I, I, I don't mind them being inspired, Alex, when they're right, you know, and uh, they're giving me back what I give to them. But, but it's a way of teaching sure. that concept. Now, but we're not talking about specifically just about the day. Mm-hmm. Because this is what's neat. If that's a sort of a metaphor for life, we should look in terms of like our, our life. Mm-hmm. And how do we live our life? And do we live our life in preparation of something? Mm-hmm. And see, this is this is kind of a big concept. If we go to Mass on Saturday night in anticipation of the resurrection on Sunday, and so the, the tenor and the tone of our Mass on Saturday night, our, our very being, our spirituality, is, is fused to the resurrection that is anticipated. So much so that it changes who we are on the Saturday, right? It, it should be that we should look at our whole life that way. That's right. Right? That we, we should actually live our life as a vigil. That's like expand right. the vigil past one day mm-hmm. into the next day, mm-hmm. one evening into the next day. Expand the vigil into your life. Yeah. Like, do you live your life as a vigil? And a vigil for what? If, if our Saturday is a vigil for the, is, is anticipation of the resurrection, then our life is anticipation of what? Mm-hmm. What is it? Heaven. Heaven. Eternity with God. Our own bodily resurrection. Yeah. Which means that we would live a life of hopefulness. And that's mm-hmm. hard to do, isn't it? It is hard to do. There's a lot of folks that have a lot of problems. I've yeah. got problems. I know you've got a few problems. We all, we all <laughs> have these things going on in life. That we're, and you think, like, how can I have joy? You know, we have so many people who have lost a loved one. Just an inexplicable death, a, a terrible tragedy. We got all these young people who are ODing on opioids, you know, fentanyl, this artificial stuff, and 
uh, heroin and, and, and we're losing kids left and right. It's like I thought the sixties were gone yeah. and it's like, they're coming back with a, with a vengeance. It's awful. What's happening. And, and this is touching people's lives. We have uh, men and women who, uh, uh, living through uh, grief or maybe they're living through some kind of uh, stricken with some kind of poverty or maybe they're uh, you know treated differently or terribly because of the the, the tone of their or their the, their language or their uh, nationality or the color of their skin uh, we have people uh, men who are addicted to so many things like pornography and we have people who drink too much and all these terrible things going on in the world yeah. injustices left and right and then just bad sins that we do. And you think like, how can I have joy? Yeah. How can you live that vigil? Exactly right. And so this is where it's important for us to understand what happened with the resurrection and why that's so important. Because if Jesus Christ could overcome death, Mm -hmm. which in that process overcomes all the sin of the world, if we have faith in that God, then that very God can help us and actually overcome for us Whatever grief, whatever sorrow, whatever addiction, whatever problem, whatever obstacles we have, mm-hmm. he can he can just dash them away. They're gone. If we live in anticipation of the resurrection, if we live in anticipation of eternity, that's how we have joy, even in the sorrow. If we live one day at a time knowing God that lo- he loves us right now, just as we are, not as we will be. He loves us as we are, mm-hmm. but we have to live in anticipation. That's what gives us hope. And see, that would change the world. That would change everything. It would change us. It would. Well, you know, Easter Sunday morning, uh, when I did get up and I, I went and had, uh, did, uh, assisted at Mass with our bishop in our diocese, beautiful Easter Sunday Mass there at the cathedral. Then I came home and I kind of laid down for a few minutes of prayer, which means I was taking a nap. And uh, <laughs> I, I was flipping through Twitter before I did that, and I saw like three different people, unrelated, make some little headline, this is, the, this is my favorite Easter picture. And they'd all three tweeted this on my Twitter feed. I had never seen this till you shared this so, with me, by the way. Uh, so this is like a, a show and tell. So if you're if you're at a place where you can go to a computer, Google Eugene Bernand, B-U-R-N-A-N-D. Eugene mm-hmm. Bernand. He's a Swiss artist. Uh, and he painted a picture in 1898. And that, that picture is called The Disciples, Peter and John, Running to the Sepulchre, on the morning of the resurrection. It's a very long and technical title, but essentially it's a picture of Peter and John running to the tomb, running to the sepulcher on the morning of the resurrection. So what's so beautiful about this picture is it is a picture of the resurrection that does not have Jesus in it. Hmm. Normally you see a picture of the tomb and the stone rolled back and a couple of angels or a couple of you know scared people, soldier falling over, whatever, and there's this Jesus. He's levitating and glowing over the tomb. You know, you see all those kind of images, but here we see an image of John sort of leading Peter, because John's a little younger, mm-hmm. right? So this is scripturally accurate. Yep. And and John's got his hands clasped, and he's got this this look of anticipation like could it be true could it be now i'm just realizing what the lord said about on the third day that he will rise and and here's peter with his eyes wide open and 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 his hand is on his heart and they're rushing you know their 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 garments are kind of flowing back behind them and tom i I studied art when i was a kid right in high school and so if you look at this picture so those of you who might have googled this picture you're looking at it uh you know you're going to you're going to see that the the apostles are to the left of the frame. In other words, mm-hmm. it's kind of odd because they're like getting ready to leave the frame. 
And there's a lot of space at their back, which you'd think, like, it's not centered. He's not a very professional artist, when, in fact, he's using space to help us see that they're rushing. Right. It's like they're, they're almost running through the picture. Mm-hmm. And they give you that sense of rushing. And the whole thing is all this talk about vigil and living in anticipation. This is what's so neat is they have not seen the risen Jesus. They don't know. They've heard rumors. They heard some women say, he's, they've taken he, our Lord. Right. We don't know where he is. Right. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, could it be true? And they rush to the tomb. And so this look of anticipation on their face, it, it, just, it just says everything to me. It does. And it helps me understand, like, I should have this look on my face. Right? I mean, That's true. we should live our life in anticipation of the resurrection every day of our lives. It's like we're running to the sepulcher. We're running to the tomb. That's right. That's, that, to me, that's powerful. It is powerful. And, and how often in life we get bound up and bound down and held back and, and, and just tied down. All these things that hold us back. And, and yet here in this picture, all the stuff that has befallen these apostles specifically, but all of the apostles, all of the Christians, when this God-man that they had placed their faith in was stripped naked and hung on a cross... Right and crucified before their very eyes. Now they're living in fear. Right, and then it's like someone says he he's not there in the tomb anymore, mm. and they rush and there's that anticipation. So, if we're going to live our life as vigil, vigil for what? For the resurrection, for eternity, for for glory, for victory over sin, victory over death. Mm-hmm. Right, our sharing in Christ's victory. That's what we should be living in anticipation of. We should have the look of Peter on our face from this picture or the look of John. They're two different looks. Peter's like this ruddy fisherman with the big scarred hands, you yep. know. Uh, Manly man. Right. You know, and then John, the younger man with his hands clasped in prayer. And, yeah. and I can see John saying, is it possible? Is it true? Yeah. And Peter saying, I want to see this. I must be there. I, I, I know in my heart that it, that it, I want it to be true, and so I anticipate it. And I'm thinking, we know the answer. We know what they see when they get here. Yep. But this is the most important, I think, snapshot of their lives. And the reason why that Eugene Bernand, the artist, in 1898 painted this picture to help us see what we should be doing, what we should look like, how we should live our life in anticipation of the resurrection, in anticipation of our own bodily resurrection as a vigil for eternity. Amen. Let's say a prayer to our Blessed Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mother Mother of God, pray pray for for us sinners, now and at the the hour hour of our our death. death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta, Federal Association, and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe 
serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.